I'm afraid I do not love social media. It's my uh, inner psychologist. If I could do one yeah. thing for the good of humanity, it would be to change how we interact with social media. Yeah, it's, it's, we're, we're, we're trapped now, aren't we? We're positively trapped in the, in the direction that we're going. Hello, everyone. Um, my name is Max McGillary. We're with the fantastic Dr. Stephanie Fitzgerald and the fantastic uh, Mark from AHDB. We're just waiting for all the social media feeds to go live on this uh, Global AHDB Talking Leader Series. And we're just having um, a catch up. Mark, do you, come on, do you love it or hate it? Social media? I wouldn't say either. It's something we have to live with. It has its fantastic uses, but it, it, it is a bit of a nemesis, if I'm brutally honest. And, and talking to Nemesis, can I have a moment at, uh, at the both of you? Go on then. So I've got a puppy. So I've got my third Labrador on, on the go. And uh, so far, he has eaten uh, the printer cable uh, to uh, into ether, ether cables. Um, he's eaten the lighting block for my for my studio. Love it, love him to bits. But I'm just wandering around with a dog whistle the whole the whole time, <laughs> and on speed dial to Amazon to replace all my bits of bobs. Mark, you've got dogs. Have you have you had similar? You're smiling. Have you had similar disasters? Yes, no, definitely. We got through two MacBook Pro chargers, which are about hundred quid oh. a piece, with young Mabel who sat at my feet now. Bless her. <laughs> totally innocent, Stephanie. I have to say mine are not Labradors, so I think that helps. So um, my dogs are not really chompers, although they are a fan of a scratch. So I've got some fairly interesting patterns on my on my carpet in the living room where they've gotten <laughs> cross about something and scratched away. So, yeah. Yeah. As, as you say to a future estate agent, character, character. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like everyone, we're live. We're live. Woohoo. Uh, Beanstalk Global AHDB Talking Leader Series with Dr. Stephanie Fitzgerald. If it's OK, um, I'm just going to give a bit of a, a background, Stephanie, to you, especially for those people listening on the on the broadcast. But we're live currently on LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter and Facebook. And today, what are we going to be talking about today, Stephanie and Mark? Health and well-being consultant at Soyo Limited. Workplace well-being, the fuel for your engine. We know how important it is to be inspired by both big businesses and individuals, which is why we're excited to present Talking Leaders, a monthly initiative from the HDB, which sees a series of inspirational speakers, including you, Stephanie, uh, share their life experiences and deliver impactful stories to the agri-leader community. Um, in our October broadcast, we're delighted to be joined by uh, Stephanie. Uh, she is a chartered clinical psychologist, neuropsychologist, keynote speaker and published author. She has worked in mental health for two decades and began working as a health and well-being consultant in 2013. She has supported many companies across varying industries, including rail, atomic weapons, civil engineering, Premier League football and the NHS. Most recently, Stephanie, Stephanie developed the Global Mental Health Strategy for Rolls-Royce, a global organization with, or could I get those numbers right, 45,000 employees. She's also supported Rolls-Royce employees through the devastating impact of COVID-19 and the largest restructure in their company's history. She specializes in delivering practical evidence-based interventions focusing on sustainable improvement. She's passionate about ensuring people are happy, healthy, safe, and engaged in the workplace and believes everyone can and should enjoy work. Mark, I think it's brilliant that, um, that you and the team have got Stephanie on, especially after we had everything last week in the, the respect of the uh, Mental um, Health Awareness Week. But as, as we've debated Stephanie at length on these broadcasts, but also within the age with some of the likes of the Agri-Leader Forum conferences. Mental health is such a big issue within, within our sector. Mark, help me. Why, why do you think it's important that we get people like Stephanie on, please? 
it, oh, it's massively important. And if you look at um, some of the evidence and the research that we sit behind in the agri-leader team, the Bridging the Gap report, one of the key pillars of that is leading self. And if you're not in your, your own best place and looking after yourself, um, then you can't lead your people um, and, and lead your business. So, yeah, following on the week from Mental Health Awareness Week is, 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 is why we've, we've got Stephanie on board. Um, Thank you. And, 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 and Stephanie, we, we've often said it, Mark, Mark and I and, and Isaac, that the best thing about running a business is employing people. The worst thing about running a business is employing people because, because we, we, it's, people are so so interesting and strange and, and interesting. So, so for yourself, you, you, oh, you must have seen you must have seen everything. You must have seen everything within the businesses that you've been associated with. And presumably this is this has helped you create where you, you were saying in the green room how you're now on your fourth book. So, so Stephanie, how, how, how did you start off in this career, please? Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting one. It definitely wasn't the straightforward sort of clinical psychologist path that I anticipated. Uh, so really simply, I uh, used to work in the NHS um, and that's where I did my rotations and my training and that's where I did my doctorate. And uh, it was seeing the impact of uh, poor workplace well-being in the NHS. Uh, so back in the day, uh, instantly aging myself, when David Cameron was in government, he led something called the Big Conversation. And oh, that yes. was asking, do you remember? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, asking frontline staff um, in uh, across all kinds of sectors, what can we do uh, to save money? And so people came up with some fantastic, innovative ideas around things like having lights that automatically shut off if no one's in a ward, that kind of thing. And I said, I think we should take better care of our doctors and nurses. Uh, I was the only person in the country that put forward something around well-being because no one was talking about well-being at that point. And so I had um, 5,000 pounds and 25 weeks to prove that taking better care of doctors and nurses would get patients home quicker, that they'd remain healthy and not need to return to hospital, uh, and that I could reduce sickness absence. And um, spoiler alert, it worked. Uh, wow. And so really that uh, just ignited a passion in how do we take better care of our people and how does that support wider impacts than just the individual? And I was hooked. <laughs> and, and Stephanie, it's amazing, isn't it? Because when you think about it now, it just seems so obvious because there, there's definitely been that societal change within 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 business and and um socially that we we all look after each other now and obviously we can do do more but it's not that long ago um when when we had um uh, uh, prime minister cameron in, in place but the fact that you had to go in and you were you were the only person that actually thought about well don't worry about the machines or the, or the machinery or the it's the people the people are, are, are most most important yeah, definitely. It's a big shift. And I think certainly, I mean, you'll see it in uh, farming and agriculture, you'll see it across so many different industries. There was a real tough it out mentality. Yeah. So uh, people, when you start to talk about well-being, certainly when I started to talk about well-being over 10 years ago, people would say to me, oh, you know, you're not at work to have fun. You know, it's it's not about well-being. It's about getting the job done. And people were really short-sighted at seeing the two are, you know, inextricably linked. You can't have poor well-being and do good work. <laughs> so, yeah. Yep. Well, well, well done, Mark. Again, another reason why we wanted to get um, Stephanie on, because there is this perception that um, uh, within agriculture, we're in our silo. Um, and, and we're very uh, fixated as to, as to what we do and, and how, how we change, if, if we change at all. Mark, do you, do you think 
that we do need to change, but that we do need to, we'll get into the nuts and bolts with Stephanie a little bit later, but we do need to adopt what we're going to learn from Stephanie to better our, our mental, our mental well, awareness, both individually and uh, as, as businesses. Yeah, no, I think that, 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 that 1% change in direction and that shift is something that we need. And it's not just for men, it's for all sorts of, all sorts of things. But yeah, the reason those parallels with the pieces of work that Stephanie did in other sectors just resonated massively with us and the AgriLeader team in terms of what we're seeing, witnessing and, and hearing about in our great industry. Thank you. So Stephanie, just just give you a bit of a, so this is my take, not, not that of the HDBs. I, I think agriculture does fantastically well within the UK, but in some ways we're, we're quite unsophisticated into other sectors, especially in the likes of engineering. Um, and and the, look at the likes of Rolls-Royce. It always um, annoys me how professional engineering is in the respect of um, uh, making their sector very attractive for uh, for graduates to, to go into university, to get their degree, to end up in engineering. And we're not perhaps that that good at the marketing or, the, or the, um, that, that sophisticated on that aspect alone, let alone anything about um, um, the 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 workplace well-being what what would your what would your advice be if if you were um coming into a sector like agriculture how would you ascertain as to whether we're good bad or ugly in in the in the respect of uh, workplace well-being how would you assess it stephanie it's a really good question because it's often one of the first things i'm asked is people say well how do i measure this because well-being can feel a bit fluffy and a bit i can't really get my hands around it so you know what is it that i need to be measuring um, and first and foremost, I would say, look at your safety data, which really surprises people because wow. they think they separate out health and safety. But to put it really bluntly, happy, healthy, safe, engaged employees don't have accidents. If you're happy and healthy, if your uh, stress levels are under control, if your nutrition's good, if you're healthy in the workplace, then you are safe. And if you are engaged in what you're doing, if your mind's not elsewhere, if you're not sort of thinking about other things or, or you know, your mind's wandering or you're very distracted, if you're engaged, uh, then you are safe. So your safety data, and I really think of those as the four pillars of well-being. So happy, healthy, safe and engaged, they all work together. So you can't be um, healthy if you're unsafe, for example. So your safety data, and that it doesn't need to be major accidents. It could even just be slips, trips, falls, those kind of things. But you'll notice yourself when you're more stressed, you experience the life's inconveniences. So you spill your coffee, you knock into the furniture, you drop your car keys. All of those things are, are, are very evidence-based in the brain as to why we do those things when we're not engaged, we're not healthy, we're not sort of tuned in and we're not happy. Um, so for me, absolutely start with your safety data before you do anything else, because that's going to give you a broad picture. Um, but you were saying there about being attractive, I think as well, advice that's just worth noting at university, uh, I guess, prospective university students. So students who are looking to study courses absolutely assess the uh, well-being element. Uh, it's now considered the number one consideration. So even when people are viewing you know top tier universities oxford cambridge they are assessing what's the well-being component on those courses and sometimes choosing other less prestigious universities because the well-being component is better uh, and recent research said 45 percent of employees would be willing to take a salary cut in exchange for better well-being at work so it's definitely not something to be ignored if you're looking at talent retention so so oof, wow <laughs> Sorry, Max. I'm just no, 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 at you. No, no, no. It's, it's, it's fantastic. I, I just, I just tried to um, um, segue this in 
with there's some appalling statistics that came out about farm safety uh, last week. And uh, we with Mark and, and Isaac and the rest of the AHDB team on this platform have, have looked to assist. And there's this constant message going out about uh, about safety. And help me on this, Mark, I suppose the, the differences within our sector, because people are using machinery and working long hours and weather conditions and, and, and cows. But I completely get your best about being happy, healthy, because I, I know that, that when I'm stressed out, I'm knocking uh, cups of coffee over or, or falling over, over, over dogs and things. Uh, but that's OK. But if, if I'm in a, in a, in a 16 ton tractor driving down a, down a road and I do do likewise, it's going to cause uh, more. Mark, how can we how that's, that's this, is, this is really interesting about the safety levels. How, how can we segue this in, Mark? Do you think about well, workplace well-being and trying to get that positive message about out about health and safety within our sectors? Um. And in terms of the, the health and safety thing, um, thing it's not a thing. It's very, very important. Um, but it's, it. I think it, it's with, like with a lot of things, and it, it's, it's just changing that perspective and the way that you look at it, which I don't think any farmer in the UK, whether they've employed labour or family labour, intends on these kind of horrible things and accidents happening. But it's it's changing the perspective of how we look at it and how we raise it up the priority list. I think to to ensure that. Um, people are safe at work it's really powerful about happy happy healthy engaged employees are safe i think that's really a really powerful kind of kind of statement um, stephanie we, we do quite a lot of um uh, photography and drone drone videos and someone picked up um seen a a really nice guy walking out of a combine he was wearing a high vis jacket late at night and a lot of people wasn't expecting this commented to say great health and safety lovely to see that they they've all got the high vis um jackets on and that particular estate that we uh, that we filmed at every morning at seven o'clock during harvest, they have that's the first thing that they do. They, they have it. They call it a health and safety meeting, but actually, I think they, Stephanie, I think they should call it a well-being meeting because just like how is everyone? How, how was yesterday? Right, we're well, we going to stay safe today. And any concerns? Anything that we need to do? Because everyone gets a bit health and safety, but well-being sounds sounds far far better. Um, Stephanie, tell us about your books. Because I think people would, I'm sure there'd be people that would love to dive in, into your books to find out, out more. What, why do you why did you write them and what are the four books about? Uh, so, well, so they're really very, so the latest one, Reworked, is all about putting your health and happiness at the centre of your career. And really, I wrote it because I've worked in, um, well, I've worked in mental health for, for 20 years and I've worked in workplace wellbeing for over a decade. And I found that I was... Um, having very similar conversations. So lots of people experiencing the same challenges regardless of sector. Um, and I never quite know what this says about me, but they say your vibe attracts your tribe. And I've worked a lot in safety critical industries where health issues are safety issues. And so, you know, Mark's heard me present, and this is something that I talk about a huge amount, but I talk a lot about health as safety rather than health and safety. Because I think when you talk about health and safety, the health is whispered and the safety is shouted because people separate the yeah, two. So mm -hmm. they think, well, as long as I'm safe, you know, I, I, I don't really need to worry about health and health is the nice to have. And what my book is about is about actually it, it's one of the core pillars. You cannot be safe if you're unhealthy. You cannot be safe if you're unhappy. You cannot be safe if you're disengaged from your job. And so really what reworked was, was uh, saving me, uh, repeating myself again and again in these conversations. And often people would say to me, where can I read more about this? You have know, never heard uh, anyone talk about uh, my career in this way. 
um, where do I go for more information? And there wasn't anything. So I thought, well, I'd, I'd better write it down. <laughs> well, well done. And you know, you know what I'm going to ask next? Um, the, the, the recipe, what, what do you think is the, the successful um, re recipe um, in, in the respect of that work, of work-life balance, of being, of being healthy, um, of, of being healthy? What, what, what's the, sorry, Stephanie, what's the answer? What's the, what's the magic wand? <laughs> Just let me find that magic wand. I, I put it here somewhere. Um, <laughs> I will say for me, I think it's really important not to separate the two. So I think that's the first thing. I, I think what we do sometimes is we see work as somewhere where we can't be happy. We can't be healthy. It's all about work. And we sort of get into our work mindset. And I like to talk about um, kind of work-life harmony rather than balance. Because when I think about balance and we separate out work and life, what happens is the life bit becomes so squeezed. It becomes so pressured. You know, it's almost like, well, I go to work and then I come home and I'm supposed to do all these things to look after my health and well-being. And I'm supposed to feed my family and I'm supposed to walk the dogs and, 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 and. And suddenly it's like that that life bit feels like something else to do. It becomes a list of chores rather than I'm taking care of my well-being. So I think if we start to see well-being as woven throughout the fabric of our day, woven throughout the fabric of our job, woven throughout our life, then actually it's not work life and trying to balance the two. It's work life harmony. And it's how do I integrate and take care of myself? How can work become my charging pad rather than somewhere that drains me? Yeah, love it. And I, I'm, again, we've mentioned it before that I, I, I will get this graph. I'm sure you've seen it, Stephanie, or, or similar. There's a great uh, graph from Cranford University that shows that those businesses that um, adopt proactive training and development for their teams see far better staff retention, see far better turnover and see far better profitability because, and, and I'm interjecting now, that they've, they've got a happy team. So yeah. it's 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 um, it's nonsensical not to do it because it's just a win-win um all, all all round mark would you agree yeah i do i think i'm just reflecting there on that point about harmony because if we think about the agricultural world and the industry nine times out of ten and not explicitly it is someone's life it is their way of life it is their home and it's so difficult complicatedly in, 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 intertwined that um yeah looking at this it, woven through everything rather than that box is work and that box is life um, is a really, really interesting way of looking at it. But just to build on that, how do you, so in the world of agriculture, if we look at it as a, in, an industry, volatile, loads of unique challenges, um, markets are up and down and the ranges are massively huge, market fluctuations, difficult. So there's lots of pressures on, on the industry. How, what bits of advice would you give farmers to, maintain that harmony and actually put those bit practical sort of steps of of actually dealing dealing to get that that that, that right harmony it's a really great question because i think a lot of it can come down to mindset so if we look at some other sort of very high pressure um industries um the the pressures vary right the the pressures can be anything from adverse weather conditions through to having machinery breakdown um through to just uh, you know some other act of god where something is not going in your favor and you've no control over that and our brains really like certainty and control and so often 
our brains are happier with a terrible solution rather than not having any solution at all. So sometimes they present us with an idea and we think, oh, that'll do. And we've probably all made a rash decision to try and make something better, only to really regret it, you know. So um, so I, I, I think in terms of, of managing uh, your well-being and, and, and keeping that harmony in tough times, it's really important to try and keep a flexible mindset. And um, you know, you've probably heard the saying about bamboo and how the reason why bamboo is so strong and it's strong enough to build houses is because it bends, it doesn't break. So in, you know, very strong weather conditions, it bends and it sways rather than breaks. And that's how our minds can work. If we can train our brains to get comfortable with adapting and shifting and bending and moving with circumstances, that's much uh, healthier for our brains to be able to then weave in a little bit of flexibility, a bit more spontaneity into our day, a bit more going with the flow when we stay very rigid. And this is my plan for the day. But now it's absolutely tipping it down with rain, even though it wasn't forecast. So I can't continue with that plan for the day. That can very quickly become quite depressing and anxiety provoking if we're very rigid in our thinking because our brain says, no, that was the certainty. That's what I want to do. I don't like the change. Whereas if you have a bit more spontaneity in your mind, if you have a bit more flexibility of, if everything goes to plan, I'll do this. If not, then I'll do that. Then that's just allowing your brain to go, okay, so I've still got a bit of a plan, but it's allowing you, and you have to build that flexibility, that skill to flex. But once you have that, A, it's a skill that will carry you through every situation in life and keep your brain nice and calm and sort of a bit more fluid. And you can go with uh, situations a lot more easily without creating your own friction. But also it just really sustains you at work when challenges are are really tough. Um, And I think I really noticed that working in the NHS because there were pressures and just things that you can, you know, pandemics, things you could never predict that would suddenly cause a huge change, not just in your day, but in your week, in your month, maybe even in your career. And you just had to roll with them. Um, and so we we can, our, our brains are like naughty puppies, you know, you can train them, <laughs> um, but it just takes time and it takes consistency. So I think really training yourself to have a bit more flexibility allows your brain to creatively problem solve in a way that's super useful. That, that's really, really interesting. And I'm going to, Max, thinking about a farmer, if we think about the farming element, we're probably really, really good at that kind of flexible mindset. We yeah, just can, can, can those I, can, principles to actually, actually us and, and leading ourselves. Can I interject with my, my Henry from Kent on, on WhatsApp, Stephanie? He, he says, tell, tell Stephanie your beep beep uh, story to, to me. Um, so the, in, in Suffolk, there's a, a very large uh, food wholesaler. And this would be about 15 years ago. It, Stephanie, Stephanie, you know when you're uh, near a big lorry and it's reversing and it's going beep, 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 because it doesn't want to do um, anything awful. So this um, this firm with about 40 of these lorries and, and 40, uh, 40 drivers and, and some were new and some have been within that business for, for 20, 30 years. Um, all the old guard didn't want to drive these new lorries because of this beep, beep, beep. I'm a professional lorry driver. I don't need a beep, beep, beep. And so the managers were like, well, we, we need this legislation. It's, it's, it's just the, the law. How, how are we going to stop um, um, all, all of this? And uh, I, one of the younger managers uh, came up with this idea and he, he created a video where they managed to get the beep, beep, beeps in, interjected with some uh, pop song of the day and got these old boys dancing around their lorries. Um, and and, that, and now it's, uh, it's, it's, it's folklore within uh, our area that they managed to persuade these guys. But but that's so, so a lovely example. But you must have seen this, especially within the likes of Rolls Royce, that you've got um, they've got managers who are going to be so enthusiastic about 
uh, doing this, but then there's going to be other people who just see it as a, but perhaps don't enjoy being there and, but just see it as a, as a, as a, as a job to put money, money on the table, but they just don't want to get, get how do you persuade those people, um, Stephanie, that we can help you, but you need to help us how, people again. How, what, what's, what's the mercurial magic dust on that one, please. I think it's really important to bring people along with changes. I think for me, I think probably for all of us. So let's say, Max, you and I are having a coffee, having a lovely time, and we decide, um, do you know what? We've had a really lovely catch up. Let's do this again soon and we leave. That's a very different experience to we're having a lovely coffee and we were about to wrap it up, but the waiter comes over and says, you need to go, I, I need this table. Yeah, we in one of those, we made the decision. So the outcome's the same, right? The outcome is we, we've gone. But in one, we feel we had the choice and we acted, uh, we took responsibility and we made decisions. The other is someone's just telling us. And actually, bigger picture, it doesn't matter. We were going to go anyway. But it's very different to have change done to us. It's very different to have someone tell us what to do rather than us feel as though we've got a bit more control, a bit more of a, of a grown up, you know, in, interaction um, rather than just being told. And I think the same applies with change. I think you need to bring people along with you when you're talking about change. It's not helpful to just say to someone, by the way, on Tuesday, we're now driving lorries that beep. So you, you've been a lorry driver for, for, you know, 40 years. You're hugely experienced. But now, no, yeah. you, now we're changing the system. Yeah. It's bringing people along with the change. And I think sometimes that's education. Sometimes it's letting people know about new legislation or regulations, whatever it may be. Sometimes it's literally just saying to them, you know, what's your view on this? What would bother you about this? How do you feel you can adapt to that? What can we do to support the integration? And just because some changes, you know, particularly legislation, they're going to happen. You yeah. can't you can't just say, oh, well, no one wants to do it, so we won't do it. But it's you can still bring people with you. And I think that's really key. And, and also you look at your David Cameron um, scenario. If um, if there's a, 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 a manager of a, of a large team, and he said to them all, right, we've got these ch changes coming up. Um, what, what's everyone think? What, what's um, what's the suggestions? How can we make this better? There might actually be a Stephanie within that team who comes up with some, something that no one's, no one's um, ever, ever, ever contemplated with. And i just just give you one I heard recently, which I thought was uh, outstanding, that there's uh, freezer, freezer stores. Bear with me on this one. Freezer stores um, are all at eight, minus 18 degrees. Um, and occasionally there's free electricity off the grid. Um, and this this big freezer business was working out, well, how can they capitalize on that? And one of the um, apprentices say, said, um, jack up the, the freezer temperature to minus 25 and it will be a cold bank. And you won't then have to use electricity for a couple of days because everything will be frozen at minus 25. And they checked it out and, and, and it all worked. And so that one conversation, your, your type of um, scenario, Stephanie, um, has credited the saving of something like a quarter of a million pounds by just turning a dial. And, and and that only happened because they had that, that conversation. And little John over there said, why don't we do this? Yes, yeah. And there's psychological safety in that team to be able for an apprentice to feel able to speak up. You need psychological safety. And I think that's like, it's something that I talk about in the book. And it's something that I think is so key in well-being. Psychological safety can sound like one of those words of like, oh, you know, what's that? But put simply, it's that I can share my ideas I can question things and I can challenge you without fear of being ridiculed or bullied, basically. And I do think there can be in every industry you have individuals who are like, that's the way we've always done it. 
that's the way we're doing it end of mm. no psychological safety you can't challenge me you can't question me but look what a beautiful example of how mm. you can save so much money from a way of making a tiny change and someone felt safe enough to say do you know what why don't we try this yeah uh, uh, stephanie mark have you ever heard the giraffe in, in the lorry story true true, true story <laughs> so this is, this is years ago there was a, a, a giraffe being moved on a low loader from one zoo to another um, and they uh, were stuck under a low bridge because they couldn't get the giraffe under the low bridge. And they had all of these uh, zoo people and all, all of the haulage guys saying, how are we going to do this? A 12-year-old boy came along on his bike and said, let the tires down a bit. Then you'll be able to go under. Then you can pump it back up again. And they all went, oh, yeah. And that's what they, 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 they did. So it's just that sort of um, creative thinking. In, in the businesses that you get uh, involved with, I'm, I'm sometimes I sometimes feel guilty, Stephanie, that I give agriculture a hard time. We're not sophisticated. Do you, do you find that um, businesses, without naming without naming them, do you, do you find that they they also have issues like we have in, in, in our sectors, or or are they or are they perfect? Are they perfect businesses to to work with, or, or do they need you all the time? I am yet to meet a perfect business. I can I can safely say that. Um, I I think at the end of the day, people are people. So whatever industry you work in, if you work with people, you're going to come across the same situations. Um, a different context, of course, depending on the business. But one of the things that's really interesting, and I think this happens across health, I think this happens across um, every industry, is people always think their problems are unique. Yeah, um, well and it's often a bit of a shock to the system if I come in and say, oh, yeah, everyone feels like that. Or, oh, don't worry, this is the same globally. Or, oh, actually, you know, this is every business I've ever worked in has xyz problem and you see people like oh because <laughs> there's something quite nice about being special and unique you know yeah, people like yeah. it um but i will say i think if you work with people you know you mentioned at the beginning max you know pe people are people right so wherever you work whatever job you, you choose whatever career you go into it makes sense that we're going to experience some of the same challenges and i think that's why network and community are so powerful um, whether that's across health. So if we think about people, if you experience a health issue for the first time, one of the things that can really challenge you is feeling alone and, and, and not knowing where to turn. And then when you meet a community of people who are maybe experiencing the same challenge, you go, oh, okay, it's not just me. I get, you know, I've got this whole network of support around me. And I think that's particularly key in industries like agriculture, like farming, where people can be so alone and yeah. can spend hours and hours and hours of their day, sometimes days of their week, sometimes weeks of their month alone, not interacting with others or maybe interacting for a couple of minutes. Yeah. And actually it's recognizing networks. And so, you know, even sessions like this are so powerful at bringing people together to think together, to problem solve together. But that network and community piece, I just think is so vital to support each other. Yeah, but and there was a study that recently that, that came out that showed that if you have have had a successful um uh re relationship with your with your co-workers and you've got a, a successful relationship with all your family you'll you'll live longer so that that's uh, that, that's been proved in in that respect and it's interesting you say about the talking bit if there's one thing mark and i can tell you about the agricultural sector the farmers mark they're never off the phones are they um, in, in a survey, in, in, I'm full of anecdotes today, Stephanie, in a, in a Farmers Weekly survey in uh, 2000, they asked all farmers to vote for the most important piece of equipment that had come into the industry over the last hundred years. And it wasn't the tractor, it wasn't the, the combine, it wasn't the automatic uh, uh, milk cluster, it was the mobile phone. 
Um, so one thing that farmers do, they do talk all, all the time. But Mark, I suppose they, they just need to, they need to adopt, adopt without trying to be dictatorial, need to, in, in that conversation, they've got to ask that question about how how are you? And it's got to be genuine rather than, um, have, have you seen Fred's got a new Massey Ferguson, Mark? Yeah, no, it's just, it's, uh, it's asking how, how you are. And, and we, we thrive on relationships, don't we? We thrive on trust and togetherness. And that's all people want to be is want to be together with people who have a loud, quiet, noisy that you are. There's, there's that, 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 that piece that benefits that. And I think that's only reflected. I'm just thinking here that there's people, there'll be people today out and about around the country that might work for big farming businesses, but be sat in a tractor or sat in a dairy office managing their day-to-day -day -day basis where they don't, don't necessarily speak to anybody or have that, that togetherness in some way, shape or form, um, which I had, I've got a really good friend who, who farms now um, in Hertfordshire and um, he used to wind us all up as a group of mates because he used to phone you up of an evening and you'd be on the phone for hours it's oh no such and such is on the phone but it's because he'd been sat in his tractor all day and he hadn't spoken to anyone and all he wanted to do is chew the fat a bit and just get a bit of a sounding board from you which potentially other people might take as uh, for granted on a day-to-day -day basis um, what he needs to do Mark is read Stephanie's book um, and talking of Stephanie's book, have you got any case studies, case studies, I hate that, that and, and any sort of success stories that you've been involved in? Because one thing that we picked up on on this, Stephanie, is that people love anecdotes. Have you got anything that you could share about what, where you've walked into a business, seen something and been able to create a bit of success and been able to walk away knowing that they've adopted what, what, uh, what you've implemented? Yeah, definitely. I mean, gosh, uh, yes. Um thankfully lots of success stories so it's a it's, it's a nice uh, it's a nice one um i get that so something that i think is really helpful to understand and, and i'll give a case study to to sort of um illustrate this point but is recognizing that health and well-being is not an optional extra it's how you get things done but often in the same way with any safety issue if something goes wrong often the answer lies in, in your health and well-being, um, rather than because something's you know, wrong or inherently wrong with how you're doing your work. So I'll give you an example. So um, working with engineers, um, a huge part of, of um, my, my career has been spent working with engineers, very experienced, very qualified engineers. Um, and there was a chap who uh, dropped, um, now I'm not an engineer, so I won't try and remember all the complicated names okay. of this, but essentially, dropped a tool into a machine that he'd worked on for many many years was very familiar with and the protocol when you drop a tool is that you shut the machine down you allow a tool to call you make sure there are no moving parts then you get the correct tool to retrieve whatever it is you've dropped then you uh, you know check everything again and you restart it so fairly straightforward he's been doing this for decades um, and this on this particular occasion um, this engineer dropped a tool and put his arm into the machine oh, to God. retrieve it. Now, he didn't lose his arm, thank thankfully. He was badly injured, as you'd imagine. Luckily, someone saw what he was doing and pulled him out mm. immediately. Um, so what he got were kind of, you know, secondary grazes and that sort of thing, but could have very feasibly lost his arm like that. Everyone was going mad. So everyone was, you know, health and safety forms. So, you know, you can imagine the sort of chaos that that sort of incident um, causes. And they brought me in <laughs> because um, they didn't know what else to do, basically. So Steph, you know, come, come and sort this out. And I say this very respectfully. 
but he was a gentleman of a certain age and of a certain build. And I started to talk to him and I said, um, okay, so have you noticed any other risk-taking behaviors recently? And he said, uh, no, you know, I'm not a risky person. I said, do you ever run amber lights? And he said, well, yeah, actually. I said, have you crossed the road recently and not quite given yourself enough time? And he said, well, yeah, but you know, everyone does that. I said, okay. I said, have you been tested for type two diabetes? Oh, wow. And he said, what are you talking about? <laughs> and I had to very gently say, you know, he was of a certain age, he was quite overweight. And I said, I, I think what may be happening is that your blood sugar is very destabilized because this was so out of character. He'd never done anything like this before. It just didn't fit whether he's a lazy employee or he's you know, disregarding the rules. It just didn't fit. And I said, I, I think something's going on in your brain and you would fit a profile of someone who might be vulnerable. So he went to the GP, he got tested, he was pre-diabetic. Oh, that wow. is an example of the simplest solution. So not only did that save him future health issues, but that saved his job because because no one understood what was going on. And why would they like, why would you automatically go to that? But if you start to think of health issues as safety issues, then you start to think of health solutions to safety problems. And this was an example where someone, their risk profile. So, so the reason why the, the blood sugar is relevant is it changes the risk profile that you're more prone to taking risk taking behaviors. Yeah. Um, and, and he just needed a bit of help and a bit of guidance. And, and I think that is a really good example of prioritizing and thinking about health as safety rather than safety. And then health is just something that's nice yeah. to have and shoved, shoved over there. Yeah, Stephanie, well done. Because Mark, that seems so obvious, doesn't it? That it's, it's that the safety is paramount, but it's the health. As Stephanie says, if we have healthy people, the, 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 the safety the safety falls in line. And, and, and going back to those... Uh, the, the 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 not attractive stats that we got in in the sector for for, for accidents. If you wonder, Mark, if there was if we can adopt more of what Stephanie is is saying, how uh, how many more of those um, scenarios might might not happen? Mark, help me with with the AHDB. Is this is this something that you proactively look look to present with with uh, with yourself and your colleagues, whether that be on social media or, or the conferences that that you do about being healthy as well as the safety? Um. Yes, in terms of we'd definitely promote that looking after yourself has multiple benefits in terms of in terms of, of everything. And we will support um, anything that comes out from other organisations in regards to um, the more focused safety elements. Um, it's, it's not our role as AHDB to to generate those things, but we would support um, anything from the from the other organisations such as Yellow Wellies and the yeah. NFU and so like to do that but it, 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 it's a key pillar of particularly about agri-leader leading self and that would come under um that that, that category and and mark you think of your agri-leader for, forum which was held in person this year stephanie was a, was a great conference attended by ooh, help me mark some 200 250 people and they had some they had some great speakers mark help me who was the speaker that within a minute and a half got everyone standing on tables it was it was just a, a, amazing um, and and he he was about um, showing how you can create a difference in in, in the workplace uh, in in an interesting motivational uh, manner. Go go on, Mark. Um, that was uh, Jamil Qureshi. So so this this chap Stephanie he just had um, he was just showing people how 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 you can uh, uh, take 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 a take a team and, and take them through to that that next level. Stephanie with with um 
we, we oh, I sort of want to say, I want to, I want to list of 10 things from you, but that's, but it's not appropriate to, to ask you, but the, the sort of, a, and you must get asked this all the time, Stephanie, you're brilliant, but we can't have you in here every day. Give, give me the things <laughs> I need to say to the team every morning. It's not, it's not appropriate, but what would your advice be to our sector from what you've learned? If, if you could give, give us just what, if you were running a farming business, what would you look to do with your team be it on a daily or weekly, monthly basis that perhaps some of these businesses aren't doing at the moment? What, what, what? <laughs> so the sort of top tips, I like it. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, well, I think definitely that um, the start by stopping. So start by stopping is my mantra for everything, for, for life, if you like. So often when we're very busy and we're under high pressure and we are just, you know, just keep going, just keep going, eyes down, head down, just keep going. Um, we completely disregard, we don't notice, we don't tune into the warning signs. And our brains and our bodies are so clever and they are designed. So our brain's sole job is to keep us alive, right? It, it's not actually there to make us feel good or to look after us in, in that sense of well-being. It's our its sole purpose is to keep us alive. And so when something is happening that we're that our brain isn't happy with, it gives you lots of signals, either through what you're thinking or feeling or what's going on in your body or your immune system. You know, we get all these warnings and we ignore them, we ignore them, we ignore them. And we've lost the art of checking in with ourselves. So it may be like the team you mentioned earlier, Max, you know. You, you work with great leaders who have health and well-being check-ins every morning. How's everyone doing? How's everyone feeling? Has everyone got their PPE, et cetera? But if you work on your own, you may just, the alarm goes off, you hit it, you make a coffee, you go. And so I would start by stopping and just check in with what you need. And I emphasize the what you need because uh, I think when you work in, any industry that is answerable to others and there is demand from others, we can uh, lose the art of, of, of checking in with what we need and we think about what other people need. So when I worked in the NHS, if someone said to me, Steph, are you okay? They didn't mean Steph, are you okay? They meant, are your patients okay? Are your case notes up to date? Uh, you know, your ward rounds complete? Is everyone, you know, um, is anyone presenting at risk, etc.? They weren't actually asking Steph, are you okay? They were asking, is everything that I'm responsible for okay? And I think that happens to lots of us very early on in our career. Someone says, everything okay? And we think of work when we forget mm. that we're part of that. So starting by stopping, having those regular check-ins. And often people are scared of, oh, you know, how do I ask someone how they are? Or how do I start mm. that conversation and check in? You literally say the words, are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> Which I think we can all do. And then if you're not comfortable saying, are you okay? Uh, then you ask it twice. You know, if you get the sense of actually, I'm not sure someone is okay. Because if you say like, I'm half Irish and you know, people will say, how are you as a greeting? as they're walking away from you, right? Like they're not asking, <laughs> like, yeah, it's yeah. like it's like saying, you know, hey, yeah. so they'll say, how are you? Whereas if I said to you, you know, oh, you okay, Max? And you're like, yeah, good, yeah, because you know, yeah. that's what we do. And then I said, are oh, you okay? How's everything been this week? What I'm doing is I'm asking you twice, I'm actually giving you permission to say, actually, do you know what, Steph, thanks for asking. I now know that you really want to know and you're listening. Um, and also I think we need to do that with ourselves. So it's not, am I okay, right, you know, keys purse phone have I got everything that I need it's actually that am I okay what do I need today where's my energy at today have I have I had breakfast when am I next stopping you know when's my next break in the day 
Yeah. So that's starting by stopping. It's such a simple mantra, but we live in a world that is just go, 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 constant information, constant processing. Just start by stopping. And also your brain will thank you for that because it's not designed to work in the way we use it. So it wants us to pause and think. <laughs> okay, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Love it. So just, just going to challenge you. Um, resilience if there's one thing that so this sector has is, is resilience um and sometimes that they'll just give you give you that uh that cold shoulder it, it i was always taught in sales training that sometimes the thing that you want you've got to get asked for five times so if if there's a manager with a, a particular colleague who you know that there might be something um not, some something wrong um and if they're saying are you okay and they just get the monosyllabic yes um, what what's your advice as to how you break them down five times? Using my example, but what would you what would your advice be as to how? Because you, you're not going to get you're not going to be able to help them at that first time sometimes because of this resilience that they've all, all got. How how do you keep going so it's not embarrassing to them? They don't feel it. What, what what would your advice be in that sort of situation? Because there's a lot of people like that within within our sectors. I I believe. Yeah, definitely. So my number one piece of advice would be don't wait for disclosure before you offer help. So and that actually is really good advice globally, because in some countries there are medical legal restrictions around asking people for health data and, you know, things that could make you a kind, caring manager in the UK could land you in trouble, you know, in other countries. Yeah. So I'm a really big fan of not waiting for disclosure. If you think someone's not OK for whatever reason, then don't be shy about offering resource or signposting or even just gently role modeling. So even me coming onto a farm or me speaking to an employee and saying, gosh, do you know, I was in bed by 8 p.m. last night because I've got a really busy day today and I knew it was going to be full on. And I, I had to take care of my well-being. I'm just giving permission for someone to say, A, my week's been really full on. B, I'm really tired as well. But also I'm just role modeling, actually maybe getting an early night rather than staying up or, you yeah. know, trying to push through with paperwork, or whatever it may be. It's really simple role modeling. And of course, it's not about simple solutions. It's not a one size fits all. But I'm a really big fan of managers not waiting for disclosure because that's a very reactive model. Whereas yeah. a proactive thing would be me saying to my team, for example, don't forget we've, we, you know, uh, I'm always here. I've got this, um, you know, regular check-in slot with you all, you know, don't forget to come and talk to me. I'm really interested in how people are finding X, Y, Z. Uh, make sure that you're feeding back. You know, it's those kind of more proactive conversations because it takes a lot. And I think particularly when you're not okay, sometimes we just want to withdraw and we just want to shut down or we don't want to get emotional at work or we don't know how to say to someone, I'm really not okay. And having someone say, you know, you can always talk to me or actually I've, I've stuck a cuppa in for us at, at 11. Let's take a break at 11 and just have a quick cuppa together. That's a much more proactive. And then if people are okay, because this is the other thing people often say to me, I don't want to make someone worse. So if I keep asking them, wow, am I going to make someone worse? you're not going to make them worse if someone is okay and you ask them even if you ask them a hundred times they're going to be like yes i'm okay but they're not going to suddenly not be okay because you you've spoken to them yeah yeah and and so then, oh, here goes my big word of the day my juxtaposition here is is that this is this this whole element of of, of being healthy within within the business um not it, it's not the 
the, the, the business parameter, but it's going to be of benefit to the business, but you're just going to have a good team. You're going to have, I, I just love this bit that you said about the first thing that you do when you go into a business, anyone who's catching up later on this, first thing that Stephanie does when she goes into a business, she looks at the safety levels, the safety data, because she can then work back um, on, on the basis of a, um, a happy, happy health, happy workforce. Um, you don't, don't tend to get the, that, uh, that safety data, uh, those, those safety issues. Mark, what, I, 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 how can we how can we how can we take matrix style what we're learning from from steph um and, and stick it into our sector do you think how, how do we communicate this across it's it's really difficult but i think some of the ways that stephanie looks at this health as safety is just looking at it from a different perspective and i think it's just trying to include these regular proactive kind of interventions that I, I, the one thing around mental health and that kind of thing, personally, mental health is not a term that resonates with me. Someone called it mental fitness and fitness goes up and down all the time. And sometimes you're in good place, good shape and other days you're not. And it's, it's fine. That's the norm. Life isn't a, a role, isn't a flat line. It's a roller coaster. And, and it's just having time for those regular kind of interventions to grab a brew or a cuppa. And don't get me wrong, there's lots of farmers that and they're very good at doing that with their people that work around them but it's just it's making it somehow we need to make it more normalized that it's acceptable yeah and every everyone just so you're aware that mark's fitness is really off because he only ran we heard this earlier steph didn't we he, he only ran five five miles this morning, instead, this morning. Of, instead of his normal 10 yeah. probably because he had that fro frosty frosty pass so, 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 so steph you you must I, I get this feeling that we're we are as a whole, within UK industry as well as agriculture, there's so much positive societal change coming out about this whole element of health and well-being that it's it's we're pushing against an open door now, especially with the with the people like yourself on board. But we've just got to be brave um, and uh, take it on board. It's not like adopting a new piece of farm software that's going to help our agronomy side. It's it's actually quite difficult, isn't it? Um, uh, the, the intervention, as, as you, you both said, with, with people, that we, we don't go to college, university, day school, young farmers clubs, other clubs are available to learn about how to um, create an intervention with someone that you're worried about, um, about, about them, about them, the, the, the health or, or, or the mental side. It's such a difficult thing to do. But I suppose, Steph, it's the, the more that you do it and the more that you listen to people like, like yourself and, and broadcast like this, the, the, the more confident that people will come. Is this what you found within your own businesses that you've, that you've been associated with, that you found that you've been training the, the trainer? And that through a, a lovely process of osmosis, that you just go in there, show them that no offense, Steph, this isn't rocket science. You just, but you've got to do this. You just got to do it slightly differently, and just do it. Just do it, do it, do it, and it and it will it will be better. Would would that be a good summary? Yeah, I think it's a great summary, and I think one of the the good things about talking about health as safety is people have safety frameworks in place. So then, when I say to them, think of health as just another safety risk that you are managing through your safety frameworks because it works it works in the same way so you know if you start thinking of health issues as safety issues but also i think it is that it's it's okay if it's weird like at first it's okay i think with mental health we're so precious and i think the first thing is we don't talk about mental health there's a real emphasis on mental illness so to yeah. mark's point talking about mental fitness is so much more yeah, useful well because you're talking about how do I thrive? You know, I'm not just talking about surviving things like stress, depression, anxiety, which are the common colds of the mind, right? We're all going to experience these things at some point. But actually, why is no one talking about 
how, how am I happy at work? How do I thrive? How do I excel? How do I look back in five years and feel so proud of what I've accomplished? Why do we associate mental health with just getting through? You know, if I just get through. Um, but I do think it's practice. And I mean, you know, for me, I talk about mental health in the same way other people talk about the weather. I am far more comfortable talking about mental health than I am physical health. So I would far rather tell someone I was feeling anxious and that I was having an asthma attack. And I couldn't tell you why that is. I just, I just, I'm much more comfortable swimming in the mental health space, but I've worked in it for 20 years, right? I bet if you said to some of your very experienced farmers, you need to stand up and do a presentation about I mean, insert technical farming equipment here. You can tell I'm not a farmer, yeah. but you know, uh, then they may not like it because they, they're used to working with it, but they're not used to maybe presenting on it or talking mm. about it. But if they had to do that every day, every week for two years, yeah, yeah, they'd be doing it in their sleep, right? They would just be be issuing this. So it's okay if it feels weird the first time. It's okay if you say the wrong thing. It is far better to say the wrong thing than say nothing. Yeah. Because if you imagine if I was coming into your office every day and I looked really distressed and you just ignored me because you felt uncomfortable, what's yeah. that doing to me? Whereas if you said, are you all right, misery guts? Do you want a cup of tea? It's not perfect, but at least you've acknowledged me and that might open yeah. the conversation, right? Yeah. So it's okay to say the wrong thing. I wouldn't necessarily advocate calling people misery guts, but it's if you open a conversation, don't be afraid to stumble yeah, just because we're talking about mental health doesn't mean people are fragile and they're going to fall apart and break. It's okay to have a conversation, a fairly robust conversation. And it's far better. I would far rather say, Max, I'm a bit worried about you. You haven't seen yourself the last few weeks. I've noticed X, Y, Z. Is everything okay? I would far rather have that conversation and whatever followed than be worrying about you and thinking, gosh, I really wish I'd asked Max if he was yeah. okay. Yeah. You know, so it's always better to ask the question than not. Yeah, I, I just had a quick question in of WhatsApp. What what what's the protocol if one of your um, colleagues, as you as the senior ma manager, asks you, how do you feel? Because this in in our uh, should should you be there's this whole thing about um, a senior manager shouldn't really socialise with the with the, with their teams because they're going to keep that distance. To take, take it or leave it, I suppose it all depends on, on the company. But um, what if you have um, a, a, a colleague who reports to you, coming to you to say, Max, I just noticed that you've been off, off colour the last, last couple of weeks. Um, how are you feeling? How, how, do you ever come across that sort of situation? Because that, that's is that even more awkward? Because I, I might be doing the appraisals of this individual. I might be um, dictating their career, their, 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 their salary levels, and they're, they're coming to me. Um, want, wanting to know, um, walking into my sort of personal space, do you ever come across that sort of situation? Yeah, definitely. And actually, I'd encourage the conversation, Brilliant. right? People mm -hmm. are people, regardless of job title, regardless of seniority, <laughs> but also just because someone asks, right? I talk about having the wall there kind of uh, capability. If someone asks you a question, you still have complete control over how much information you're comfortable with. So it may be if you've got a direct report coming to you and they're saying, oh, you know, gosh, Max, you know, I'm really concerned about you. You may want to just say, do you know what? Thank you so much for, for showing concern. I really appreciate the question. I'm OK, um, mm -hmm. but I really appreciate you asking. 
Or it may be somewhere where you say, do you know what, thank you so much for asking. I'm actually really concerned about X, Y, Z. It's so nice to be able to say it out loud. Thank you for asking. You, you have that control. You have that wall there about what am I comfortable sharing? What am I not? And we all have that skill set. And equally, sometimes people are scared to ask because, Max, what if I ask you how you are and you tell me? Yeah. Like, you know, I, I, I didn't want that. You know, I just yeah. I was just being polite. And again, we have that role there. So if someone starts telling you something and you think, I'm not sure I'm the right person, you can still listen and say, do you know, this sounds really important. I wish I had the skill set to help you, but I'm not sure I'm the right person. But it sounds like it would be great for you to go and speak to your GP or have you thought yeah. about um, you know, speaking to uh, any of the many helplines that are available to support people, particularly with their mental health. Um, I think that's really key. Yeah. Guys, we're rapidly running out of time. Mark, Mark, over to you. Really I've enjoyed wrote, this. I've wrote so many notes. <laughs> um, um, so yeah, it's just, thank you, Stephanie. It is absolutely fantastic, and I think there's a few bits that really resonated. People are people whatever industry you're, you're in and, and whatever industry and we were have people that tough it out, which I think is hugely um, resonating on our, on, on our ag industry. And we just need to try and pick up on some, some abnormal signs um, or changes that, that would need to try and join some dots together. But I think the real, the, the real piece, which we've, we've resonated a couple, we've mentioned a couple of times, happy, healthy, engaged employees are generally safe. So health as safety, um, to create that work-life harmony um, and, and and hopefully the rest of the pieces will uh, will pull round. Um, and the only other piece I put down is is to build in that flexibility within your mindset, to, which I think farmers are very, very good at because we do it on a day-to-day -day basis within our businesses, is start by stopping. Um, and I think Isaac, my colleague, mentioned the other day about it. Don't be, it's yeah. not selfish to do something for yourself, but actually start by stopping and reflecting. And that might be for somebody driving a tractor and plowing a field. It doesn't have to. It, it, it's very random for any other people. By start by stopping is the way to to start start moving forward. And then if you're talking to your employees, saying something is better than saying nothing, however bad that may be. Um, so Stephanie, thank you very much. Um, it was absolutely great. And to the listeners, if anyone does want to hear Stephanie again, and you're a liver paying individual in the UK, she is our headline keynote speaker at the AgriLeader Forum. Oh, fantastic. QR code there, um, and you'll see her in Manchester live on stage for her workshop on the 30th and 31st of January uh, 2024. Tickets are selling fast, but um, there's still plenty left. Thank Excellent. you very much, Stephanie. And, 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 and Stephanie, um, can you tell us where we, where we can get your book, please? And can we just have the title again? Uh, yeah, so the title is Reworked, Putting Health and Happiness at the Centre of Your Career. Um, and you can uh, get it anywhere. So you can get it on uh, Amazon. If you're a big fan of my dulcet tones, you can get it on Audible. Uh, or you can absolutely support your local bookshop and just order it in through there. Excellent. I'd, yeah, I think there's been... We've done, Stephanie, as we've told you before, Mark and I and Isaac and the, and the rest of the AHDB team have done a, a lot of these and they all are, are fantastic in, the, in their different areas. I, I just love this title of Workplace Wellbeing, the fuel for your engine. With everything that Mark and I and everyone that's dialed in have, have learned from you in, in all but 55 minutes, I think if we just sort of brave and just make the change and, and have create that, that success in workplace wellbeing, it just means that we'll be... Have, have potentially successful businesses but, but have successful people and, and be 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 happier people as well which is as he as he intimated right from the get-go just uh aids aid, stephanie aids everything doesn't it 
It really does. And I think the fuel for your engine bit is recognizing you wouldn't do a really long journey and wait until the end to fill your car. You would recognize that you need to fill your car with fuel in order to do the journey. And it's exactly the same at work. Well-being is the fuel for your engine. Everything you want to achieve, you can only achieve if you take good care of your well-being first. On top of that, everyone, thank you very much. This has been Beanstalk Global with the AHDB with the fantastic Dr. Stephanie Fitzgerald. Mark, thank you very much. You were good as well, Mark. <laughs> Have a good day. Well, thank you very much. Thanks, Thanks Steve. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.